0: Welcome to freescripturebooks.org The Knowledge of God. My name is Jeff. We're doing some word studies and this is part two of Eternal uh, Judgment Elementary Teaching. We went through six points. We're getting ready to go into seventh and uh, there'll be an eighth point on what we need to know about eternal judgment because it's something that should be even known at the elementary age. Um, Here in the um, United States of America a uh, child graduates elementary school probably at 12 or 13, um, sometimes 11, I guess, depends if they get you know go to school early, but this should be a teaching that anybody understands. It's pretty simple. Uh, many judgments of God are not simple, but the eternal life, God wanted to make sure that it was very simple to us. So let's continue. John uh, chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to read one thing, then I'm going to read the whole thing. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So let's find out where that sentence is. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had girded. So when he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, 'What, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. But Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. Now this is very important, because we're talking about eternal life of elementary teaching and the only sin that the cross does not cover is denying Jesus in front of men so how does this take part in denying Jesus we know that Peter denied Jesus later on after this happened you know when a cock crowed three times he did not a cock crowed once and Peter denied him Jesus three times but how is this denying Jesus well Jesus was going to wash, did wash the feet of, of the disciples, and Peter says, "No way, you're not going to wash my feet," and then, and then Jesus said, "If I don't wash you, then you have no part of me." Then, then, then Peter went all the way to the other side. Well, then wash my hands and my head too. Now, why did he say wash my hands and my head too? Why not wash my whole body? Why not just give me about a, a a bath everywhere? Why did he say the hands and the head too? Well, if you remember all the way back to Passover. Um, with Moses that you know and talking to Pharaoh let my people go and and then Moses told all the Israelites to go ahead and uh, kill the, uh, the the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and on the top and on the sides well look at this when you raise up your hands you know Jesus on that cross you know had that crown of thorns on his head right and, you know the bloods on the doorpost Jesus is the way he is the door there is no other way to the Father but through him on here then on the sides he also had pierced hands and then of course on the cross he had pierced you know pierced uh, feet too but but so 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 Peter is going to say then go ahead and wash my hands and wash my head too if you're wrong wash me and says you don't need to do that you're already you're already made clean from the top down but you, but uh, so the blood of Jesus has already been applied to the doorpost of our heads and our hands the blood of Jesus applied to our feet as we allow him to change our sinful ways now why would Jesus wash his feet because I mean I mean back then they walk in sandals so they walk in all kinds of dirt and mud and things I don't even want to mention and so but we are too we're always walking you know different direction we're always walking into something we shouldn't walk into rather be ignorant or deliberate we walk into things and we need to be washed we need to have our well we find out in scripture all the time to make, you know, make narrow and straight paths. We talk about walking narrow and straight paths, talking about making your path right so you can, so that you can uh, walk it and not fall or not stumble. Watch out for those stumbling blocks. It tells that we should run and not grow weary, we should walk and not faint. So it's very important in our feet, beautiful are the feet of those who call and preach the gospel. So our feet need to be helped because many times we're ignorant or or one thing or another, and we end up doing things we don't mean to do, didn't intend to do. You know, our heart is right. We know, we, we love Jesus. We, we, you know, but, you know, we just do things we shouldn't do. No man is about sin. If any man says about sin, he's a liar scripture talks about. Uh, John in one of his uh, smaller books. So the blood of Jesus applied to our feet as we allow him to change our sinful ways. So we got to allow... Um, God to cleanse us. We've got to allow Him to straighten out our life. We got to allow Him to get sin out of our life. It doesn't happen the day we, you know, we born again. The day we get become ah, become born again. We get a new spirit, but we begin renewing of the soul and we begin disciplining our bodies. These Jesus was calling us to be disciples. Disciples come from the word discipline. So he wants us to be disciplined. We want to discipline this body. And so that's what Jesus is doing is washing our feet so we can be disciplined. Because I mean if, if if you know if you got a bondage or some kind of habitual sin in your life I mean if your foot is crooked, if your foot is dirty, you're gonna go off you're gonna go off kilter all the time and find it falling into the ditch. But God, you know, wants to wash our feet so our feet are not crooked, our feet are clean, so we continue down the path that the Lord has laid up for us. But it's very difficult to stay on a path that our feet are not staying on. A repentance is not a simple change of mind, but, and that's been taught a lot. Repentance just means changing your mind, and that, that is one of the beginning things, because because if you don't change your mind, then you're not going to go any further than that. But repentance is more than changing your mind, but also a change of direction, away from a life of sin to a life in Christ. So when we become born again and receive that uh, that eternal life then it means not only changing our mind, but changing our direction. It means no longer are we serving ourselves. no longer are we gonna go after our own will, our own will be done, but now we turn in 180 degrees and going the way of the Jesus and asking God, let what your will be done in my life. Whatever you say, go. If you say stay, I say, st- you know, I stay. If you say go, I say go. If my plan is different than you, then I, then I throw down my plan and I, and I seek your plan. I no longer seek my kingdom, but I seek first your kingdom. So, repentance is not a simple change of mind, but also a change of direction. We've got to change direction, and that's why He's washing their feet, so they can change direction. Away from a life of sin to a life in Christ. A clean heart will allow Jesus to direct our paths. You know, Jesus said, Some of you, are, so I don't need to wash your whole body because you're already clean, except for one of you. He's talking about Judas who had an unclean heart. So, they had a clean hearts. So, you he may have a pure heart, but once you have a pure heart, He's got to also clean your feet so you can. Uh, walk down the path that Jesus uh, walks down. An unclean heart will never change our path, no matter how clean our feet become. A lot of people have a religious system where they where they look good on the outside, but they're full of bitterness, full of hate, full of envy, full of strife, and all kinds of things. And so an unclean heart will never change our path like it didn't change Judas's path. He was of Jesus for three and a half years, and his dirty feet, even though it was clean during this time, still walked into... And down the path of Satan rather than the path of the Lord Jesus only Jesus can purify a heart we can't purify our own heart who can purify our heart I think it says in uh, um, Jeremiah I think it is it is man's job to serve those who have dirty feet so Jesus not only handed you know this washing of feet um, him doing it but he also handed it to us and we as a church that's what we need to do rather than always being condemned. We do need to talk about sin. We do need to shed the difference between light and darkness, but we also need to wash people's feet because as long as their feet's headed that way, as long as they're in the mess that they're in, many teams people are not going to be saved. I worked on the street ministry for you know many years. Many people caught up in all kinds of addictions and drugs and alcohol and sex and all those kind of things, and many of them could never even hear the Lord until their feet were clean, which means out of their environment, moved away from the place where they couldn't say no you know to a a program or, or 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 some of them even got you know some of them got saved and and but they needed that uh, that time where they can make a decision but they needed somebody to help them they need something to help them and you probably needed help and so that's what we the churches do is is to kneel down and and wash people's feet and show that we're not just you know, out to condemn them. We're not, we're not out to condemn them at all or to, or to judge them like we're better, but we're out to help people get off the path they're on. And the only way you can do that is get off all that mud and all that gunk and, and all that calluses and, you know, all that kind of stuff and go wrong with feet. Only Jesus can purify hearts. It's man's job to serve those who have dirty feet. And will you allow Jesus into your life to wash your goings? We allow Jesus in your life to wash your feet. Is there any direction since you've been born again, you know, that you keep going that you're willing to sit down and allow Jesus to wash your feet? Maybe you're condemning yourself because say, oh, I'm an clean person. I'm an clean heart and trying to get saved again, trying to get saved again. Some people get saved every Sunday or every revival you know, how It used to be. Well, if you've got a clean, it doesn't you know, just because you have a clean heart doesn't mean you're going to have clean feet all the time. The, the more you walk with the Lord, the more you allow him to clean your feet, the cleaner you're going to be. But especially when you start out, some of you are, you know, and like me, it was very dirty. You know, I didn't get my feet cleaned in one setting, okay? You know, it's, it's taking years and now, uh, you know, two decades. And he's still cleansing my feet of some things that are causing me to walk astray or walk awry or, or trip up or stumbling blocks or getting too tired. I mean, if you got a whole bunch of mud stuck on your feet and the mud is pulling you down and suction's got you and you can't walk the ways of the Lord, that's why he wants to wash our feet so we can walk with him. So... So if we do not allow him to wash our feet, we can be uh, denying him, not in word, Can we still calling him Jesus, we're still calling him Lord, we're still calling him Savior, but if we do not allow him to wash us, wash that sin away from us, wash those habitual sins, those habits away from us, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And well, no part with mean no part with Jesus? I mean, how are you going to go to heaven without having a part with them? So let's go to point eight. Uh, John. Chapter 21, I'm going to read the end and then go back to the beginning again. Do you love me? And and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus, him, then tend my sheep. So this is after Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus raised him the dead. And uh, he confronts Peter on his denial, but he confronts him in a very loving manner. He didn't confront Peter and like, see, I told you so. I told you you were going to deny me. You don't love me at all. You, little, you know, or how we'd handle it. But instead... Uh, Jesus was very long-suffering like his father, like our father. So so when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to his, a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then tend my sheep. And when you get down to the Greek, you find out the last one is I have an affection for you. An affection is not quite as love. The first couple times he's talking about love, but Peter had to learn that maybe his love was as strong as he thought it was. I mean, when you deny somebody, you walk away from somebody, you find out your love is not as strong as it was. You may have a little affection for it. And in fact, I'm talking to somebody who's, whose husband just cheated on on a wife of 10 years, yeah, you know, and, and he's coming back says, I love you. Well, he probably does have an affection for you, but but that love wasn't there. And so, the same thing here if you want your marriage restored, same thing here is instead of going after him and 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 and, and nailing him, you know, for, for his sin, there's gonna be a lot of time to for repair both on your heart and his heart, but he's got to know that. He's got to love you beyond affection. He's got to love you. If he's going to love you, then he's going to do what's, you know, what's in your best interest as well, which which is not, you know, doing what he did. So, so if you want restoration, ask him, do you love me? Then if you love me, then show me over a period of time. Show me that you're not going to, you know, do that again. Show me that you're not going to walk after strange women, but I am your wife. So show me. So that's what Jesus, you know, did to Peter, is he didn't come straight at him and condemn him, but he asked him, do you love me? Because Peter really needed to know how much love was there. And that husband and that wife really need to know how much love is there, you know. And we need to know how much love we have for God. Many times we're like Peter and we think we have more love than we do. But when we fall into temptation, we find out that we don't. We don't love God as much as we think we do. And you say, I know some people are really disagreeing and get upset, Well, I'm not trying to get you upset, but Scripture talks about that we didn't, you know, um, stand against temptation to the point of shedding blood like Jesus did, you know, in the garden. So unless you're shedding blood by trying to resist sin, then then there's probably more opportunity, uh, greater love, that we can love God. And of course, we can't love God any more than our understanding of how much he loves us. To the extent that I know how much God loves me is to the extent that I can love God. So do you love God? or you do what he asks you to do. Wonder if you're going to heaven uh, when you die. Simple question. Simple question. Do you love God? You know, I'm talking about being born again. Some people are asking, are you one of those people saved, once saved or saved? And, you know, you lose your salvation. Well, it's just, I can't, I'm not going to get into that because we're talking about the elementary teaching of, uh, of eternal judgment. But, but I, I am, I am going to give you a simple question. Do you love God? And enough to um, enough to, to do whatever he's telling you to do you know we find in Revelation that Jesus chastised in several churches he's talked to seven churches and most of them got chastised I think five of the seven um, and so what, part of love is chastisement if you know if God chastises sons because he loves us if he didn't chastise us then it shows that he doesn't love us and God loves all people so he will chastise us but Part of love is, ch- is chastisement, and Jesus only chastised the churches on one or two things. We can't go to the Ten Commandments and get a list on on how well we're living for God or what we're missing. We need Jesus is going to deal with us on one or two things in our life, and only one or two things at a time, because we really can't take more than that. We really can't overcome more than that. And so so Peter, he's telling Peter, do you love me to feed my sheep? If Peter would just got himself involved in, you know, ministering, which he did, then then. He left those, those other sinful habits. So there's a lot of things that you're doing out there that's is causing you friction between your, your love for God. And if you just do what God tells you to do, then you won't have time to do these other things. And know I'm simplifying that thing because there's still a pull, uh, a pull of wanting to do those things. You know, even Paul talked about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I'll, you know, <laughs> I, I should do, I want to do. So there is that pull, but you've got to have a replacement. You've got to go somewhere else where that tempt... You know, and like if trying to get that football, you know, across that goal line. Some, you know, the devil's got a hole even trying to bring you down, but you just got to keep on chugging along and get across that goal line so you can, so you can, you know, score one for the kingdom of God, score one a victory for your life. But until you have a goal, you're just going to continue to fall. Even though that you may love God in a small amount, like Peter loved Jesus, he had an affection for him. But when it came down to it, he ended up denying Jesus three times. And we don't want to do that. A relationship is personal. Religion is is uh, is a set of have to's and don't dos. A relationship is personal. You know, when you come to Jesus, like, and when he talked to the Church of Revelation, he's going to talk to you the same way. There's one or two things he's dealing with you. He may not be dealing with what he's dealing with your friends. He you may not be dealing with what's going on over here, but he's dealing with you on one or two things. But religion is a set of do's and don'ts. Religion is says, am I right with God? Did I do everything right today? And you're looking at a set of rules, either 10 commandments or your own set of rules or your own religious activities. That's not, that's not a, uh, that's a religion and not a relationship. Jesus wants to deal with it. That You know, the commandments, there's no comfort in the commandments. <laughs> even if you, even if you keep all of them, they're, they're still not applauding you. Because now you just done what you're supposed to do. But Jesus, Jesus will correct us, but he'll also applaud us on um, on what we have done right and, and, and walk in, in relationship with him. So do you love God? Because we're talking about our eternal life. Do you love God? Love is not a creed. Love is not a set of beliefs. Love is not a memorized scripture. Love is not a doctrine. Love is a person. Love is a person. God is love. So it's not about... So you're not going to get into heaven because you've memorized John 3:16 or Romans 8, 9, and 10. Love is not a creed. It's not a set of beliefs. So you got your faith statement. It's not those kind of things. Love as you love God. God, I know God will know us. So love is a person. Forget about what you're doing right or, or doing wrong. Do you love God? Because a lot of you are condemned right now because of what you've done last night or the day before or, or last week. And 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 I mean, I got... I got beat for a couple years. You know, Satan telling me that I didn't love God because I wasn't living a perfect life because I wasn't getting, you know, all my I's dotted, my T's crossed, all my P's and Q's, you know, and and so I didn't understand this because to me, I was either, it was, you know, it was black and white. Well, love does have different degrees, you know. In fact, you probably won't love your wife or love your husband or love your kids at a different level than you when you first met them. Only by loving God will you be able to repent and, and 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 turn to Jesus. So you cannot repent enough, although repentance is part of loving God. Some people want to make make their salvation or eternal life based on their ability to repent or ability to say, I was wrong. No, that, that's just showing that you need a Savior. Repent and say, I've sinned, you know, that you need a savior. If you go to court and, you know, and you know for anything, a theft or a murder or a robber or anything like that, and you say, I'm sorry, judge, I've done wrong. You think the judge is going to let you out? No, he can't let you out. There's got to be a savior. There's got to be someone who's going to pay the fine, pay the penalty, you know, and we have no ability to pay the fine. The fine is too high. The penalty is too great. And so we've got to repent as shows us that we our need for a Savior, where we're saved 100% completely, fully on our trust in the Lord Jesus. So we do need to repent, but repentance in itself cannot save us. let say you cannot pray enough, although prayer is part of loving God. Some people uh, give themselves to religious activities, and you know, thinking if I pray enough, if I read the Bible enough, if I do this enough, go to church enough, then God is going to love me more, or God's going to accept me more. You cannot do good enough, although doing good is part of loving God. No no matter how much charity or how much mercy you give, it's still only in Jesus Christ. We still have got to turn to him. We can't turn to our own works, our own abilities. We can't make up for what we did wrong yesterday. We're still guilty for what we've done wrong yesterday. When we look to Jesus, all what we did yesterday is wiped out under the blood of Jesus. Do Do you love God simply because he first loved you even when you were deep into sin? God says he, he loves us even when we, you know, when we we're in sin, even when we didn't know his name. You won't love God if you think you have to work for it. You won't love God if you think you have to work for it. And there's a whole lot of people trying to work for eternal life. And a whole lot of people are upset with God. Many people won't even acknowledge that because, you know, to be angry with God, oh, that's horrible. And you don't want to be angry with God because he's the only one that can save you. But but God has had people angry with him and I've been angry with him and God's been able to handle it. But when we repent and, and and come to him, but if we don't, you know, but we won't love God if we have to if we think we have to work for it. We're always gonna think God's a hard person, like the parables of the mind is on talents. God, I tried and tried, but you're you you're demanding too much out of me. God, this is just too hard. I cannot do this. Well, you're not gonna love God if you think salvation is work. You're not going to love God if you think walking away from sin is work. You're not going to love God if you think, "Oh, what have I done wrong now? I'm never going to get there." You are a ter- you know, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus those who receive Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace through faith and not of yourself, you're not by works. You can't make a better you. You can't be a 2.0. You can only put your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus. And by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus, he's the one that shapes you. He's the one that molds you. He's the one that cuts away the dross. He's the one that puts you in the place that you should be. We cannot do it. Eternal life, eternal life is a free gift of God. God bless you.